After the sermon this morning, let us sing Psalm 119, the first, second, and eighth stanzas. Our text this morning is found with the same psalm, Psalm 119. We'll read the first eight verses this morning. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 119 is an acrostic poem or psalm, if you like. It's made up of 22 sections or stanzas. Each verse of each stanza, beginning with the, the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet, starting with Aleph, it goes on eight verses at a time through to Tau, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Even though there are 176 verses, Psalm 119, and all of them convey to the listener a love for the law of God, Yet we may say that you can take these stanzas separately and find a different aspect with each one of, one of them. There is every reason to believe that these words were written during a time of persecution and alienation when the very fiber of service to God by the faithful was tested by the evil that had come into the nation. These words must therefore be seen as an offering of prayer encouraging the author and encouraging others to keep their focus on the covenant God that in offering up these words, much as they're, they all start the section this, this morning starts with the olive and may look as somewhat of a, uh, a neat device, yet they are very serious. Indeed, it's one of the most serious of the Psalms. It takes uh, the understanding that this is obviously... Uh, a deep study 
of the law of God as one might do that in other ways. And yet here it is to lay out all the different aspects of what the law means for the author and as we hope to see also means for us. Indeed, brothers and sisters, that the word of God may, and hearing it this morning, may work that in us, that, that deep understanding of the law. So I proclaim to you, we start then with Aleph, the word of our God, we, I preach to you this morning under the following theme, Psalm 119, Aleph, those who are truly blessed by the Lord, we'll see first of all the character of those who are blessed, secondly the source of their blessing, third the concern of those who are blessed, and fourth the commitment of those who are blessed. First of all then, the character of those who are blessed. Psalm 119 starts with words of blessing. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Now most of us know what blessing means. The word blessed means to speak well of. When we bless the Lord, we speak well of him. When the Lord blesses us, then we may say that he speaks well about us or does good things for us. Now, Scripture often speaks about us blessing the Lord. Psalm 103 says in the Revised Standard, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 66 says, Bless our God, O peoples. And in our reading, NIV, we read, Um, blessed and praise be the Lord. So blessed be the Lord, praise be the Lord. It seems appropriate that we give praise to God, that we bless his name. God has, after all, done marvelous things in making our lives secure. Where would we be without him? We may say in unending praise that he has given us the hope of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful God! Shall we not praise him? However, the psalmist doesn't start with praise of God, but he speaks out of the fact that God has blessed us. The reason for why we praise him. We start with that. He speaks of how we should feel blessed because of how we have lived. He says that those whose ways are blameless are worthy of praise. Now this is quite remarkable, isn't it? Noteworthy, brothers and sisters. We are to feel blessed on account of how good we have lived. 
This morning I take you into the language of the Old Testament. And I do that not to say this is how things were viewed in the past. But to say this is the language of those who are in covenant with God. Let us take hold of this language and apply it to our thoughts of today. Are you blameless? Are you a blameless person? Do you know what it is to be blameless? Actually, the, the term seems quite foreign to us, doesn't it? Blameless? We would sooner speak about, as we do in so many of our prayers, oh, what terrible sinners we are. And why is that? Well, because I, I believe it often serves as a, a crutch for saying, Lord, now I have acknowledged how bad I am and how good you are over against me. Surely I can find favor in your eyes for not being so haughty as to imagine that I am blameless in your sight. Why are we so afraid of seeing ourselves as blameless? Should we not make effort to be blameless? Does the thought scare you? Brothers and sisters, blameless does not mean that you need to be perfect. Blameless is not about someone who is without sin, one who never makes mistakes. It means, however, that you need to be undefiled. That there is nothing in your life that would cause others to attack or discredit your life, even so the Lord. Nathaniel was such a man. Jesus said in John chapter 147 concerning Nathaniel, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Paul says in Acts 24, 16, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. This is what is meant as to being blameless. It means being above reproach or above criticism. Are you standing right with the Lord? That's the question that's being asked here this morning. Do you live comfortably with him? day by day? Or is there some baggage that you have hidden in your spiritual or, or even physical closet that needs dumping before your conscience is ready to approach God meaningfully for help and for comfort? Do you understand, brothers and sisters, that the blessing we all want from God must be based on a character that can go to bed with a clear conscience. Are you hiding things from God, brothers and sisters, and of you boys and girls? It needs to be exposed to the light of God's holy word so that you are set free. Confess your sins and feel the weight of those sins lifted from your shoulders, beloved. That's what we're talking about. There must not be things between you and the Savior, 
between you and God. There must be nothing of your past that cannot be taken care of by him is, is the understanding. And so it shouldn't be between you. If the scriptures reveal that there's something in your past that is unresolved, then seek to remove it so that the blessings of God spoken of may come upon you as one who is blameless, as one whose reason for being criticized has been removed. If you stand right with God, you most often also will stand right with your fellow man. How to do that, you ask? Well, here we come to our second point. The source of their blessing, the source of our blessing. Psalmist goes on to say, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Here we see that being blameless does not come from ourselves, congregation. We are judged blameless if we live according to the standard that is outside of us. We must be committed to wanting something from the outside to bring about that blameless position. And what, are, what is that? Well, it's, it has to do with the statutes. It has to do with the laws of God of wanting to keep those laws with all our heart. They are the source for our blessing. You need to be able to say with the psalmist, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. That has to be in your mind. That is to be, has to be how you think. Are you dedicated enough to say that, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? You have been given the way to live. And you must follow the guidelines you've been given. Is your daily commitment to the Lord wholehearted? How to know if you are? Well, do you hold up your works to the word of God? Are you busy studying the word of the Lord on a regular basis? And when I say study, then I mean are you truly seeking out the meaning of what you read? Asking in your heart, why has God caused this to be written and what does it mean for me? We must seek the Lord with all our heart congregation. He's to be found in the law he has given for us to follow. Search it out. He is speaking to you so that you may give your response to him. And perhaps it's time to introduce that. No, congregation, I'm not suggesting that you cast Jesus aside and try to keep the law of God on your own. We're not talking about that. 
I'm saying that Jesus has saved us from our sins. Therefore, do not walk in sin any longer. To the best of your ability, fight against sin. And pray to the Lord that he may send his Holy Spirit to help you stand in the full armor of Christ. And you need that. It's not you. It is being armored. To fight. To fight against all those things that will make you feel the sinner. Equip yourself with what has been given so that you can feel blameless in the sight of God. God has given us his law to guide us. He doesn't want us to feel like we're always downtrodden sinners. He wants us to feel blameless. Blameless. You may say all your life, that you want to be blessed by the Lord. But congregation, that doesn't take place. It will not happen without an unreserved commitment to Him. It doesn't just magically fall on us, congregation. That's what you're waiting for. Saying to yourself, well, I'm a complete sinner. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. I need... Yeah, some people even think that. They're always waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and touch them on the shoulder so that they know he's there. There's something about what God is doing with our lives and changing our lives. You have to understand that. Renewal. Renewal. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 teaches us exactly how our commitment should be. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own silly thoughts. Empty thoughts. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Certain sequence there. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Yeah there's, there's also a follow up. Even though the beginning is Christ. The beginning is God working in us. But then we have to acknowledge him. And then God will lead you, it says here. And if you do, then you may consider yourself as having done nothing wrong. They do nothing wrong, Scripture says. They walk in his ways. Are you willing to let go of seeking strength in yourself? Enough to look at the precepts of the Lord and say, here is where I need to place my focus. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. They're there for a purpose. Not just to read, but to live out of. Therein lies my hope and my strength. 
especially in those moments of persecution and of great need, as appears to be the case of the psalmist. We can't stand on our own. We need the help of God. God gives what you need. Take hold of it. Feel confident in going forward. It doesn't mean that all suffering and even all sin will be forever removed. On the contrary, while we live in this life, we will always face trials and tribulations, even death. But God gives us his word. Yes, his law to guide us through those times. When I say law, that can be the whole of Scripture as well. As much as it teaches in whatever you read, if you see a story in, in its pages, you say, that's wonderful. And you're saying, that's, that's the law. That's where the law comes in. That's where God wants to have our hearts. And when we say yes and amen to what Scripture says, we're doing what, what God wants to see of us, what God has changed in us so that we do. To be able to say, I am free. No one or nothing can take away my comfort. Make your conduct consistent with what you believe congregation make your conduct consistent with what you believe we might think that scripture here points to some kind of a super saint who never sins but that's not the point at all rather what is described here is an attitude toward the Lord where we say we love the Lord and then we live accordingly and we put off more and more of the old nature as we put on the new. So we come to the third point, the concern of those who are blessed. The psalmist goes on to say in verse 5 and 6, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Obviously there's a sense of concern there. Not as one who is, is with, without knowledge. But it's talking about that steadfastness in obeying. Of knowing that the next moment might be a time of an outlash against someone or saying the wrong thing and being reminded we're constantly in need of, of going to the word of God to be equipped even further. Not, of not wanting to be put to shame when you consider what the law has said. You, you can see where that's a, a concern, isn't it? As we just said, all of this does not point to some super saint who never sins. If the psalm was about that, 
he probably wouldn't need it. But those blessed are those who have need. They need to carefully focus on the will of the Lord and then give the effort to perform the will of God. Yes, Jesus is factored into that. We can do nothing if Jesus does not cover our filthy clothes with his white robes. If he does not make that renewal as much as he is our righteousness, he's also our holiness. But all of that also means then that we want to follow the ways of righteousness and of holiness. That's the human element. One understands then that the blameless man will also sin from time to time. Therefore, he's heard to say, yes, to pray, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. That there was a, a, a continuity, an ongoingness, and a time of no interference on the part of sin. Here the Psalms ask the Lord to give him the power to stay the course, to continue to apply the word of God to his life. That must be the deep concern of every believer in his heart. Is it yours? Keep asking. If we lose our concern for the will of the Lord, the law concerning him and our neighbor, then we place ourselves in the way of a troubled life congregation. You may not think that to be the case necessarily, but such is nevertheless true. You may be quite content to take the law of God lightly and not see it as a source for our thankfulness. I'm sure that is the case with all of us from time to time. All too often we are lazy Christians. Not only do we take shortcuts in serving God, but sometimes we are just plain careless and neglect to carry out the will of God altogether. We even fight against Him. Where we are called to apply love to every situation of life, we do not always do so. What do we really show? Our, our brother attacks us in one way or the other and we fight him at his own level. But we don't ask, what does God ask of me here? We fight fire with fire. Study the precepts. Be busy with them, brothers and sisters. And that doesn't mean sit all day reading the Bible, but read it with intent and purpose when you do. Our lives are busy, but, but don't take time off from reading the Word of God. Study it. If you need help, get a, a book or a commentary beside it to open it up for you if you haven't understood it. Even if you think you've understood it, perhaps you could understand it better. And so an aid, reading alongside of Scripture, can be of great help. Because that's where you're at, are you not? You want to, you want to have that um, desire in you 
to do exactly what, what God wants of you. You need to want to be blameless. That's to be your focus. Because to focus on being blameless is to walk in the path that Jesus walked on for saving our lives. Righteousness is fulfilling to our lives, congregation. Witness how Jesus, our righteousness, lived to fulfill the will of God in everything he did. He was blessed by God as one who was completely blameless. That desire must live in us as well. We must walk in the way of righteousness. Therefore, we must show it by our every action towards God and the neighbor. Are you encouraged, therefore, to ask, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees? Then I would not be put to shame. Avoid the shame. Avoid the embarrassment. You can't go wrong if you're going by the law of God. It will always support you. And it will always make you victorious in whatever situation, life you may come. And that means, too, that we have many things that are against us in our society today. And we're seeing more and more of that resistance against Christ. When the politicians talk about, oh, we have to do good, we have to do good to the, to the Arabs and to uh, the minorities, the black people, and, and you name it. Of course, they also throw in there the, the gay and people who live that way. And there's something to be said to uh, keep your fingers off everyone. There's no doubt about that. But so often, they miss out the Christian. They're fair game. They're fair game for the contempt of our world today. And so we need to be equipped. We need to be obedient. We need to go on and not be discouraged by the oppressors. But be encouraged by what the law of God says. And what it does for you when you obey his will. And then you become more confident. You will speak out against the wrongs in our society. Not worrying. Are you politically correct? But are you God-fearing correct? It's one thing to try and to fail. But how many of us really give the effort that's needed to change society. To change our own lives, our own reactions to our, our brother. Our angry outbursts. How, how are we encouraged 
to change. Obedience doesn't just fall into place without some effort. We must train our bodies. We must reign in our passions. We may have to give ourselves a spiritual slap in the face before we get our heads to bow in humble submission to God and to refocus on the example we have in Christ. But do we do that? Do so. Nothing should convince us more than the word of God itself, congregation. When we look straight into the commandments of God, we may experience a great deal of embarrassment and shame. But let that be so. But because in that we will find a reason to change our lives, especially as in pointing to Christ, the law of God gives us every hope and encouragement not to live only according to one or two of these, but according to all of them, all of the commandments of God. As we confess that, you must make that effort. Don't rely on Christ if you are not ready to walk with him and do as he has done. I'm not saying what Christ will do for us. How often don't we say, I was a sinner and God was merciful. Indeed, Christ is ever that. But we should not have it in our, our head to rely on Christ if we're not ready to walk with him and do as he has done. If not to follow him, you're in the wrong path. You're at the wrong address. So to the last point, the commitment of those who are blessed. We need to be committed in order to be blessed in our lives, to be blameless in the sight of God. How to be committed? I'm sure the thought has entered your, your mind from time to time. I believe in Jesus Christ, we say, but we also wonder at times if this belief should show a more active role. Some of the greatest unemployment on this planet is in the church congregation. We say we are Christians, but we don't all too often show the work of being a Christian. And that's not to say works as here a little good and there a little good, but where is the life that reigns in sin so as only to do what is upbuilding? So much of what we do is so horizontal we live for today and all too often do not seek the kingdom of heaven. And when I say seek, then I don't mean you're waiting for it to come sometime in the, in the glorious future. But how are you seeking to live for that kingdom today? For it has come on earth. The kingdom of God has come upon earth. That's the difference Jesus has made for you and for me. That's why we're here this Sunday. Because we're holy people. We're here as children of God. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Do I have to say, are we not? Well, that's why we're here. We're not here just to sit in the pew. It would be a strange thing just to come here and sit in the pew. Why would you do that on Sunday? 
It has to have purpose. It has to have meaning why you're here. And that meaning has to do with your commitment. Your commitment to the Lord. That's what you want to express. And you want to express that with each other. You want to express that with brothers and sisters. And you need each other's brothers and sisters for that encouragement too because we are weak in ourselves. Yes, we have Christ. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. We also have each other. We're on the same path that leads to salvation. We're here to say, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. If praise does not come out of our heart, then you haven't read the word of God, the laws of God. Read as to be studied, that is, brothers and sisters. If you're spending quality time looking at the word of God, praise will flow. I would say naturally or supernaturally, if you like, from our hearts. If you're constantly, seriously looking at the word of God for guidance, the praise will come. If you're wondering why I don't praise God enough, perhaps that's where to look. I would say that is where to look. Study the word of God. Live with it. It's not an old-fashioned book. It's a source of comfort and life. It's what brings us to eternity as those who are equipped, those who are ready, those who are blessed. Get down to business. Get into the word of God. It, have, it will have a tremendous effect on your life. God wants it. You need to want it. God will provide us with the strength and the armor we need each day of our lives. Therefore say it. I will obey your decrees. Be committed. And when he says, do not utterly forsake me, then the psalmist realizes that if God gave him what he deserved, he would have nothing. He would be lost. He would be forsaken. So he expresses his desire for God to extend his grace and mercy on him, never to leave him. And we may do that. In fact, we should keep doing that. We should not take things for granted. But when we do, we know God answers the attitude of the heart. Psalm 138 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Ultimately, it's to his glory, is it not, that you live. That's why you say it too. Do not forsake me because ultimately it reflects on you, Lord. And I want to serve you. I want your name to be great. I want it to be great in my life and in my family life. I want it to be great in this world. And I will speak and I will do what God wants me to do. 
And have no fear, brothers and sisters, because there's nothing so powerful as can take away the glory of God's word that serves us to build us up and to, and to grow. Nothing can ever take that away from us because Christ is triumphant. He has won the victory. Have no fear with all that you see of the, of the negative. Christ has won the victory in your life. God loves you as his children with a perfect love. And we must trust that he will care for us no matter what the circumstances, no matter how great our enemy, no matter how great the pain. For he has sought our blessing in giving us his son. Will he not do all things for us because of this? Of course he will and much more than we have asked for in our coming to him. Indeed, he will grant us everything we need because of Christ. Amen.